We're back. Here we are. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Holiday uh, season is upon us. And man, hmm. it's going to be a different Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's It's been a different Christmas for sure. I mean, we're ripping and roaring still, but I'm just like, oh man, Sundays are my best days now. <laughs> to not yeah. be at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we have something super special for our Very. guest today. Yeah. Uh, we, I don't remember, it was like a year ago maybe it feels like, or uh-huh. earlier this year. Um, yeah. Came across the podcast A to Z. Mm-hmm. And this is like, it's like a sister show practically. Like they mm-hmm. started a couple months before us, I think. Yeah. Um, but their names are Aaron and Zach and it's like two best friends that played in a band for a long time and <laughs> they interview different people around it's I think they live in uh, Beaumont Texas but it's yeah. like outside Houston right mm-hmm. um and so we chatted back and forth and we've talked about doing a show together but uh what we wanted to do this week was actually just give you guys um an episode of theirs so yeah. you can check it out and then go subscribe to them so this one is the ice house museum um and and ask for one of their their favorite episodes so Uh we'll we'll let the content of that be a surprise but before we get there yeah let's thank our patrons let's do it yeah thank you kathy cindy shelly allison brian chelsea holly jeremy saria travis tyler jesse and brian And thank you, everybody. And thanks, everybody, for the support that you guys Mm -hmm. have been giving. Um, Like we say every time, it goes a long way Mm -hmm. in uh, (laughs) covering the bills, covering the costs. So we really appreciate it. Um, If you can spare as little as a dollar a month, which is our our cheapest entry, there's Mm -hmm. extra content on the Patreon. Um, In in fact, if you listen to last week's episode, The Handshake Saints, there's Mm -hmm. an entire another hour on Patreon. So... Uh, definitely, definitely go over and check that out. Um, Patreon.com forward slash look what I did. It's worth that dollar and more. Right? It's at least yeah. worth a buck. Oh, Definitely man. worth a buck. Yeah. You know, it's wor- it, it's it's so good, I signed up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because no. it's true. Uh, uh, but, and, and I think last week we forgot yeah. to mention that... Um, uh, that were part, part of the Voice Press Network, so be sure to go to voicepress.com yeah. and check out some other finely curated, independently mm-hmm. produced podcasts over the there. finest, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then uh, what I do want to say is one of my favorite episodes to do is coming up in, in two weeks. Yeah. So the next episode and the last episode of the year will be the host wrap-up for Ooh. Christmas week, whatever. So... That'll mm-hmm. be fun just to sit down and kind of chat and mm-hmm. hang out and catch up. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, but I think what, what a gift we are giving, yeah, <laughs> to each other, our time, our attention, and, and, our time, <laughs> attention, and to the listeners, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I I say we uh, check out A to Z podcast, Ice House mm-hmm. Museum. Enjoy. This is A to Z episode 116. Today's guest is Susan Shine Kilcrease, curator of the Ice House Museum in Silsby, Texas. It's like they're trying to be too meta. 
we're gonna make them an offer they can't refuse. Much better. Yeah. You can, you can, can buy you a drink. You can yeah. just but, well, well, I mean, he did pick out somebody we know. Well, you sidestep the question. That technology does no, not no. exist. Hey, everybody, what's up? I'm Aaron here with my co host Zach. Hi. Welcome to A to Z Podcast, where we sit down with the fine folks that make Southeast Texas. A better place to live. So much better. And if you're new to the show, thanks for checking this out. Uh, you can find us basically anywhere. This isn't the only spot. We have YouTube. We have Spotify. We have social media sites, too. We have Facebook, Instagrams, Twitter that All we kind of use. Yeah. But yeah. nobody uses Twitter around here. Uh, but we also have a phone number. That's the most fun thing that we are on is 409-206-2971. That's 409 409- 206-2971. If you call us, leave a voicemail. Or we love text. Yeah, you can send text, photos, yeah. videos, anything that you're up to or anything that you want to promote. It even. is the most direct way to talk to we'll us. We'll give you a shout-out yeah. if you uh, if you send us a text. Anyway, we're going to be talking to Susan today. Uh, man, she is, she is a badass. She's like, awesome. I had no idea what we were going to be talking about in this episode. You kind of like mm-hmm. brought this along. and I found so her on Instagram. I was along Facebook. for the ride. Obviously, Zach and I are both from Sealsby. We're both Sealsby boys. Mm-hmm. Sealsby And, uh, you know, we, we grew up going to the Ice House Museum when we were in school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was kind of a, a, a foundational point of learning for us. So we thought it would be a really good thing to get the new curator on and yeah. talk about some of the history of Sealsby and some secrets. And she's doing a lot of cool stuff uh, and she's trying to, I mean, she's really, I mean, endless ideas with this woman and you'll get to see and hear uh, what she's got in the works and we're going to go ahead and go forward. Yeah, yeah. Interview. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Susan Shine Kilcrease. Scottish. Scottish, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so mom Sean is very Irish. Yeah. But, yeah. Um but anyway, he called me. I th- I thought you were him. Oh wow, okay. And so uh, he me- messaged me the other day and said, Is September twenty second or something okay for the podcast? And I said, You mean instead of Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> Sunday. We got the scoop. <laughs> and so he went, uh, uh I said, Isn't aren't you is Zach your partner? And he went, No. And I went, okay, well, yeah, September 22nd is fine. <laughs> Apparently, I've got two. Yeah. So, um, look at you. You're on a media yeah. tour. Oh, listen, I'm just so famous. It's a media tour. Well, you, the, the, I guess we're, we can start it like that. It's like the reason that I, that I hit you up is because I don't know if you just recently started there, like within the last four year, months. Four months. Yeah. And, and I started because I've been following the Ice House Museum just because, you know, that's, yeah. we, we're kind of all about yeah. like local things and museums and stuff. And, and I started seeing these posts. That were so so interesting, like and there, and it's not just like, hey, look at this thing. It was like, here's here's a couple of paragraphs of something that I found out, and and I could tell that you, the person that was writing it, was so excited about it and so into it, and it was just really refreshing to <laughs> see. It was so cool, you know, and uh, yeah. So that's kind of the backstory is I've been watching what you've been doing with the place, and I love it. I love it's, what you're doing. Well, thank you. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny because uh, I got a little bit of a background in social media because. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I taught for all those years, and then I've, tr- I've tried. I told people I've, I've tried to quit teaching. I've permanently quit teaching three times so far <laughs> because uh, seems, I do. It seems like a lot of teachers. Yeah, third do time's that. a charm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so because it it just I do everything like that, just wide open, and it just wears me out. Mm. And you know, to do the high school choir, mm. and so finally I left um, teaching again, and I joined my husband's business. As a matter of fact, we had an office just a couple of blocks from here. Oh. oh. Yeah, well. and so uh, we don't have it anymore. We, uh, uh, it was kind of a sad. Uh, well, 
we had a son that passed away. Mm. And after that, we closed that office and just scaled everything down. But during that period, which was like 12 years, I did, I found myself doing graphic design, social media, and all that kind of stuff. So I have the social media background. So I start with the museum clothes, I start working the social media. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is everybody is nuts about this history mm -hmm. stuff. They oh, really yeah. Are. Oh, yeah. They really are. And yeah, on, on Facebook alone, I think I'm in, I'm probably in 20 history groups. I'm in like uh, Abandoned East Texas. I'm in like the Texas Old Railroad group. You oh, know, Beaumont then and then. Uh, Beaumont then, yeah. All, there's so, there's so many of those groups. Yeah. And it's really, oh yeah, Traces of Texas. That's my favorite one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to join. Yeah, Traces of Texas. You know, and I, here's here's the odd thing is I'm really not. I need to yeah. start doing that. But see, history has been my my passion and my, um, you know, my hobby for my whole life. Yeah. Even though my background is the performing arts, mm -hmm. uh, and museums are sort of like that anyway because it's like putting on a show. It mm -hmm. really is, and it's about taking information and trying to use uh, art and emotions and things to sell it mm -hmm. to intrigue people get their attention mm -hmm. yeah and so um that's sort of my background but and but i almost tell people i feel like i've been training for this job my whole life <laughs> and i'm really good really excellent at finding really fun low-paying jobs <laughs> i've always been really good at that but, uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we all have that in common yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh but anyway so um i've because i've studied so much history and I was doing, I've done all these talks for years. I've done talks for people, the DAR and stuff uh -huh. like that. And I was kind of the, kind of becoming the girl, the Sealsby girl mm. in terms of history. And then this job opened and people started approaching me. And I had just re retired again <laughs> from our business. And like two months later, they're like, you got to do this museum. Mm. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> and so, well, the rest is history. I mean, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but right now we have it's, it's really going really well. Yeah. Because the COVID thing, uh, there's a couple of things that's forced us to do. Um, uh, well, like we've had some issues with the flooring in the back. It's a hundred year old building. It's yeah. a wonder. It's very the building old. itself yeah. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so we've had to take everything out, all the artifacts, and put them into um, in the front. And we've been forced to do an inventory. So we've. During this period of time, the beauty of it is we were able to inventory everything in the building, get it all online, mm -hmm. yeah. so that we have this whole thing where you can go, you can actually go on the website. You and do like a virtual see. tour. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a wonderful opportunity. But right now, if you walk in the museum, it's just there's tables everywhere with sheets over them with mm. all uh -huh. of Artifacts. our yeah stuff on them, and so we're. Um, that's the deal. Yeah. So, so this this whole thing is kind of giving you a chance. Y'all, y'all aren't really open to the public at all. So it's giving you a chance to kind of catch up, but also just present these things in a different way. It seems like a lot of museums kind of they got tripped up. Or these kind of into these public entities got tripped up when all this happened because they they weren't prepared to move digital, and you came in like at the right time. Well, you know? see, and it's kind of fate as you would have it or whatever, <laughs> but. Um, they have a new curator. There's a new board president. It's Everything is brand new. And then, as I said, because of this complete reliance on social media that we've had to do, we have discovered what people are interested in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And they are absolutely interested in not just local history, but the relevant social history. Like back when COVID first came out, and that was when we were first starting, I found some stuff in the museum 
about the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. 2,000 people in the Silsby area died in the Spanish flu. There was wow. 2,000 people in the Silsby area? That's what it says wow. in the documentation. Wow. It's hard to believe, but it is it is in the documentation. And they talked about how they people in the community would, would gather, would, would make soup, and they would deliver and just leave it at people's homes because it was terrible. Oh, yeah, like the same time when the Black Plague was, that was the same thing. Oh nobody, nobody could work. They had, yeah. to, they had to stay at home. And, yeah. and so what happened then was um, I, we sort of, it was so alike, and we I had a photograph of some a family posed in, the, um, in front of their house in masks mm -hmm. in uh, 1918, and then there was the same descendants of the same family in front of the same house in, in masks in 2020. In 2020. <laughs> wow, yeah. And that's... so that thing went, we had over 30,000 people that saw that. Wow. And so that told me right away that people were interested not only in history, mm -hmm. but to make it pertinent and make it, make it um, you know, feel like it uh, matters in their lives today. Yeah. Well, and, 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 well, it's like, because that's the thing, people that love history and understand history, that's, I think that's what draws them into it because they do see, they look for all those correlations in here and now how people are yeah. pretty much the same or they haven't changed much. It's just the times have changed. And it's like, but to most people, you kind of have to, you have to make that connection. And maybe that's where the, where the value in having a museum yeah. is. Yeah, well, that's what makes history alive too. It's really easy when you're thinking about it to think that we're different mm -hmm. from the people that came before us. Mm -hmm. But in good history... I mean, you just know that we're the same. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, got, and, got a special delivery. <laughs> special delivery. Thank you. <clears throat> um, well, there's and there's so many things like that. Yeah. Um, Get you a chair. You know, that are, um, like, one of the other things that has been just enormously popular, it's just really surprised me how popular, is uh, the thing about the Kirby Mill. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know? yeah. No, that that's kind of what caught my attention is, like, you posted this aerial shot, and you kind of drew where some things are. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that there was a canyon, yeah, I was like, I I drove down that road, that big dip. Uh, what, what road is that, 418? Yeah. This, I yes. drove down that big dip my entire childhood, going mm -hmm. to school or going wherever I was going. And, and I always wondered about that big change in elevation and then then whenever you posted that i was like there's no way there was a canyon hidden away back there that there that totally is so it's, you know so where was this where was the mill hidden For, yeah well it's it's actually an um it's a completely inaccessible when okay. i say inaccessible i yeah. mean first of all it's is behind fences and it's owned by some big uh timber company and okay. it has been as a matter of fact in the last few years it was even owned by harvard university of all places <laughs> really yes because what happened I don't get it, but what yeah. happened was the that's a, um that's a divested portfolio there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Big I, ticket, man. I I was really kind of disappointed. I wanted to call Harvard and ask them <laughs> about it, but oh well. But they um so I started trying to find out who owned it. And that has been the journey and the whole community uh -huh. and that, that was another thing I've been trying to do is to get the community involved. Mm. So what can we figure out? You know, like and, a collective investigation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so people were saying, well, that was a hunting lease, and it was owned by this group, and here's the name, call this person. So I called everybody. Well, and they'd give me another name, and I'd call them. They'd give, I just went, it took me forever. And finally, someone told me the name of someone. And, I call, and of course, with COVID, nobody was answering phones. Oh, right. and everything. Nobody was in the office, yeah. So I finally got a personal number for somebody that somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody. And so uh, I called him and he said, oh, doggone it. You know, we just sold that property six months ago. Hmm. I said, okay. So, um, and I even looked up the deed, you know, on the, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the county courthouse and everything. And it said that it was owned by some company in Connecticut that was run out of some company in Chicago or uh -huh. I don't know, but 
So finally, he gave me a phone number of a man that supposedly could get that done. So I got in touch with him. He was a really nice guy. They're over in Louisiana. Mm. And I've been talking to him for some time. And where we are now is after months of, of negotiation, he has said we they have decided that we can go on the property mm-hmm. and investigate, but they're going to come. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get their lawyers to draw up some big contract so that, you know, a hold harmless that if someone gets falls in a mm-hmm. pit or something, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Snake or something. Yeah. either that or have a, um, you know, or have someone that um, has, uh, you know, has access to that area in there to come out there and help us. But uh, what we've discovered is there's people from even Lamar University. It's, it's sort of a geological, archaeological, this whole kind of a investigation. Yeah. And when you think about it, it's, uh, it's this enormous area out there, and it was—I need to look this up exactly. I've seen it written many different ways, but that was either the largest sawmill in the uh, southeastern United States, or I've heard people say in the United States, mm-hmm. but or in Texas, but that was an enormous, yeah. enormous sawmill out there. What part, what part of town is—, is- it's over on the um, the section of town. If you know Silsby, it's over behind where Pine Plaza is. Okay, I know exactly, yep. It's out there sort of behind, um, uh, well, there's just some woods. And actually, yeah. that canyon runs through there. Yeah. And that, I, I don't know if you... see pictures of that, like an yeah. actual walled canyon, if it's even there. Like, that would be amazing. I saw it. Yeah. I took videos and put it on there. And oh, it is, it's, that. there's black rocks down in there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. That's... And, and it, I don't know what it is, but I know we that... We grew it, up there. We don't even know. <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> we don't even know. Nobody knew because it's yeah. in this ex- inaccessible area that's mm-hmm. owned privately. Yeah. And I think there were some hunters and things that knew, but they were been real tight-lipped about it, you know. Yeah. That's where all the deer hide in, in Silver. Yeah. <laughs> Not just the deer, but, you know, we've also been talking about the... The Panthers. The Panthers. Right? Oh, yeah, the Panthers, <laughs> That's yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, all the all the cryptozoologists say they're not real. I know they're real. I know they're there. Do you know that we had... Heard them. When we posted... Them, yeah. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago, though. And they might have been privately owned. You never it's know. Not, <laughs> you never know. It's I live out in Caney Head, so it's... Yeah, right. yeah, hey, that's where they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I told my sister when we were doing this, I discovered that that a lot of these panther, quote unquote, panther sightings were either out there on like the Ellsberger Highway area Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or they would be uh, out there near um, like um, around Massey Lake Mm -hmm. in that area in Silsby. And my sister lives in that area and I told her and she's always calling up wildlife. She's got deer that she pets and little raccoons that eat peanut butter sandwiches at her window. She's like Snow White, yeah. Yes, yes, I always go, ha, 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 you know, seeing it or every time I see her, but... Anyway, I told her, I said, if you get a big bowl of tuna fish, <laughs> you know, maybe you can get one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> kitty, kitty. You set up a trail cam, a big bowl of tuna fish. Uh, I'll tell you what's yeah. interesting is all these guys come on, and they are the guys that are supposed to know. You mm-hmm. know, these are the Parks and Wildlife people. Yeah. There's no such thing. But yet, I have found this guy that's written a book called, um, oh my gosh, Shadow Cats, uh, The Shadow Cats of Oh, I wish I knew that because I'm, I could be plugging his book. But it's all over our Facebook page. Okay. And so um, he has done this investigation all over the United States of these quote-unquote panthers. Mm-hmm. And what he says they are is uh, they are black jaguars that are, you know, uh, natural to this area, mm-hmm. came up through Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so they're really here. Mm-hmm. So I keep running into these people that have—I uh, had 200 people, 200 responses of stories of times that they had seen them. Um, one, a girl, had one had uh, walked beside her on the road and scared her to death. I, oh, wow. 
uh, when she was 15 years old, mm -hmm. and every time she would move, it would move, and it just terrified her. And another one who found, looked up, and one was in a tree with a deer above above him, and it's just so many stories. Mm. And then there was the guy the other day that I talked to that supposedly has killed one uh, because it was killing calves in a dairy farm, and it was it they he was hired to kill it. And now we're seeing if we can try to find the pelt. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, where's the? I'm sure you or can leave the pelt to that. Yeah, you know, you can well, identify. Yeah, this could be a really big deal because yeah. if we can get the pelt in our exhibit of our predator exhibit, then I think there's gonna be people coming from all over creation. Because yeah. well, yeah, because even the idea of the black cats in this area are in cryptozoology. Mm -hmm. You know, it's literally it's in the same vein as when people talk about Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. That's how much people don't think it's real strangely yeah. enough he's yeah. also doing a book on bigfoot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's another uh, if he finds bigfoot then we'll do, we'll definitely do an exhibit <laughs> yeah i'm sure, I'm sure. so what I'm are sure. your what are your plans with the kirby mill like what would you hope to be done about the kirby mill the kirby mill yeah. um honestly what we're hoping to do is now now we're going to have to wait till it cools off some because mm -hmm. it's just yeah, deadly it's hot it's rude outside exactly yeah. and so what we want to do is we want to create, uh, I've got this whole list of people that have indicated they want to be a part of it, mm -hmm. people that have, uh, um, you know, that can fly drones, um, people that are involved with Lamar's geology mm -hmm. department, uh, people that just are fascinated with it, uh, woodsmen, mm -hmm. people that can deal with that. And we want to go out and do a really well thought out investigation yeah. where we maybe even, um, you know, section off the, that, the area and do a walk through it. Mm -hmm. But since then, I have found another guy that has seen those ruins and sent me pictures of them, and they're enormous. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is he said, did you, I don't know if you saw my post about that, but he sent me some pictures of it, and I, um, and he sent me, he, he went, he out, went out there and did some, um, some drops on Google Earth, you know, mm. some, um, oh, yeah, some pins. pin marks, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when we looked at it, that is exactly where those buildings were, we had kind of guessed they were going to be. Yeah. And he's, well, yeah. What would you hope to find out there? Like, uh, you know, would you, what kind of artifacts do you think you could find? It's been so long. Well, I would love to find a big piece of equipment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe even some blades, something like that. Yes. I'm trying to think of some high high carbon steel. Did somebody say they yeah. found horseshoes somewhere? Horse I don't know. No, somebody somebody did, did that in Spindletop. Sorry. Yeah. But see, here's the funny thing about it is that um, for years, Silsby's uh, founders, in all their wisdom, used that area as a dump. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. that's yeah. good and bad because now you've got 100 years of, of you have some artifacts out there as well. Yeah. Bottles, whatever that's out there. And so that's, there's a lot of investigating that can be done in that area. But primarily what I want to do is see what I can find. And I'd like to do like a real high-tech exhibit that showed, uh, that talked about Google Earth. I've got a surveyor that is willing to go out there and do the whole satellite positioning thing mm -hmm. um, and just show exactly what it was and try to identify the individual buildings. Yeah. That, that This building was here. That's This is what it looked like then, 100 years ago, and this is what it looks like today. And it's just a bunch of concrete columns. Uh, some of the columns out there are uh, five or six feet tall, mm -hmm. the concrete columns. And then beneath it, you can just see all of this this uh, stuff on the ground that is just like lumber and maybe stuff that they dumped. I don't know. Mm. But all I know is I've seen the pictures. So it, after it wasn't a lumber mill anymore, they would just bring that and they would use it as a dump for things. That's what it's I understand. It's just a trash heap kind of. But, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good for a historian, you know. Like if you're looking for 
you're looking for things to look at and discover. Absolutely. That's that's you're gonna find all kinds of things. It's just probably gonna be it's gonna be hard to find the things from nineteen twelve, uh, because you're gonna have to dig through a lot of stuff from nineteen sixty and seventy and eighty if they were dumping it at that time. And that's right. You gotta go through decades of, of trash to find what you're looking for. I'll tell you what I would love to do, and I don't know if this is even possible, but I would love if they could figure out some way to create some sort of historic area of that where the state would take it. And with the canyon and everything mm -hmm. out there, mm -hmm. it would make a wonderful place for bike park. trails, yeah. hiking trails. Yeah. It would be hard to get. That land's important to somebody, so. and the price just went up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's the deal about it, though, is the area around um, around the old mill is just like if you go to downtown Silsby mm -hmm. or you go to the old Woodrow area of Silsby, which was some of the original um, homes of Silsby in a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, what you noticed is when they when John Henry Kirby came through, they just clear cut, they clear cut all the timber, and it was completely like plains. If you if you look at the old pictures of the Kirby mill, there's no trees. There's no trees really. It, yes, and so when they came back. In the oldest pictures of downtown Silsby, there's no trees. Looks like Kansas. Yeah. So the the founders went back and replanted some hardwood trees, like mostly sy uh, sycamore trees. Mm -hmm. And there's an enormous sycamore tree right outside the Ice House Museum. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Ice House was built in in the 1920s. So that's about when all this was going on. And but what you do, what, when you get out there around the mill, there are no pine trees out there. Those are hmm. those woods out there look exactly like the woods around downtown and around Woodrow that they deciduous. were replanted. Yeah. yeah, they're deciduous. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of like there's like um, yard trees and uh, things that were planted as though it was this huge. It wasn't just a mill that employed 300 people, yeah. which it did, but it, it was, also that was the town's economy. <laughs> well, yeah. the commissary, the doctor's office, mm -hmm. there were houses out there. There were giant uh, mechanical buildings where they worked on the big steam locomotives out there. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge operation out there. So I mean, the mill was so big, it almost was its own town in a way. Could have become its own town, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, they kind of expected that to happen. They have the company store. Is that Was that happening? They did. Yeah. And there were a lot of people that owned their, uh, you know, had their soul owned by the company store, like uh -huh. the old song goes. But um, and there's some sad stories in that. Yeah. And there's, um, along with all of that, um, you know, great wealth came some corruption. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot of stories about uh, them swooping in and, taking land that really didn't belong to them. Yeah. And so that just was, and I'm not even. That's about like Southeast Texas. That's, yeah, yeah, it's weird. There's yeah. a lot of, it's it's really hard to find uh, information about a lot of things in this area because it has changed so rapidly. And uh, I mean, he's done, he's done some, some, some videos on the Jefferson Theater and all this. And I remember seeing, a, I remember seeing a photo a long time ago that I've been trying to find for years, but it was a, it was a barbershop in Saratoga, Texas. And we all know how, big saratoga is now right, right. it's like right. if you count the animals there's like 60 people there you know what i mean <laughs> um but at the time of the oil boom which was in the early 1910s after boomtown they had a the the picture was a 50 person or 50 chair barbershop and just like i think about that sometimes about like how many people 50 chairs. a 50 chair barbershop in saratoga and that's how booming the oil like there was thousands of of oil field workers in the fields and it's like just thinking about the the timber area and Silsby and all the remnants—it's it's weird. It's really weird that there's not there's not a lot of evidence about it. 
There, I know yeah. it yeah. is, and I think part of it was I've thought about that a lot actually, because there are the there was quite a bit of wealth in the yeah. beginning. There was the the original investors that came. It was from a the consolidated wealth, but yeah. And John Henry Kirby, and originally some of the buildings that were built that are no longer there, like the original Roundhouse. Silsby was the major hub like of the everything. Train, the rotator. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think you put. Yeah, I saw a picture that you posted. About I did. That. that thing was huge. Where was that? Well, it's it's in the area where the train yard still is. They just built over it. Yeah. Um, or tore it down. And there also were hotels. That's the other thing that's fascinating about it is that there were hotels everywhere. As a matter of fact. Because, um, of, because of the trains, I, I imagine. Because yeah. of the railroad workers coming in yeah. and needing somewhere to sleep. As a matter of fact, um, a couple of years ago, my husband and I purchased a 1922 house near the Ice House Museum and have been restoring it. Hmm. And in the backyard, there is a what they call a railroad crib. It's a, it's a three-room little 1920s little house that they rented to railroad workers huh. and it still looks like 1920 in it yeah. so the whole area that's a nice find that's really cool it is cool yeah it's really exciting but uh there were hotels everywhere there was a hotel directly across the street on both corners of the ice house museum two hotels huh. and, uh where the the little memorial is right now yes yeah okay and also where the big trees are across from across uh, ernest avenue uh, which is the one that is, you, you know which one that is? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. It's a, um, but actually there's some big, beautiful trees that are still there, and that was the city hotel. There oh, was wow. a million hotels around the area um, from all the world. It makes sense because there's a lot of seemingly empty space around there too, you know, where you can just kind of look and tell that there used to be things there because it makes no sense why there wouldn't be. Like when you're looking around the feed store by the railroad mm -hmm. tracks and you look over – to the right, and it's just big empty swaths. Yeah. Exactly. And what was, and what is amazing to me is that we actually had a Harvey house. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of Silsby's Harvey house. Are you familiar with Harvey houses? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. There was a, a man through, uh, and I, I wish I could say his name, his whole name now, but his last name obviously was Harvey. And he built these uh, elegant hotels in all of these railroad towns all over you know, all of the United yeah, States. Like a chain of them. Yeah. Yes. And they had, uh, there's even a, a movie, a musical out there called The Harvey Girls. <laughs> and it was that the Harvey Girls were the uh, elegant ladies that they had working in here. They wanted. Uh, Wait, that they were these wore... bordello, like little board? Oh, home no, 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 no. This is very proper. <laughs> it's high class. That was the whole point. Pick yeah. up. Is that they wanted these, these ladies to be, uh, to be ladies yeah. that were treating them. And they had a little uniform. Well, <clears throat> Silsby had an enormous enormous Harvey house, a three-story hmm. one that was built in 1906. And it was right there in uh, basically the library uh, parking lot area of yeah. downtown Silsby. There used to be a Harvey house standing there. There was a Harvey house right there. Three and, stories. And yes, with wings. It's the I mean, tallest building in Silsby. It was huge. It <laughs> yeah. was, in terms of Harvey houses, it was huge. Yeah. It was the same height as the Pines, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. It, it was very big, and it was very, I, I mean, I can show you a picture, but it's just, it looks like a. It looks like almost something that was in Yellowstone or something. It's this yeah. great big um, hotel. And they had a basement and had a billiards room in it. A basement they in They totally Silsby? did. They did. They did. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the higher elevation of anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was. I don't remember this, but some people that are older than I am remember actually that used to. There was, I do remember there was a park there uh -huh. instead of the library parking lot. But there used to be a—the basement was there. And 
people could get down in it and play in it as kids. I've, huh. I've heard that before. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing about the Harvey House is it was built, and it was very elegant, is that it burned down. Some There's just within a few months of it being completed. Oh, wow. And we have we have actually have pictures of it burning down. <laughs> and um, it, it well, I've heard people say it burned down in 1906. It was built in 1906. And then I've heard people that it was burned down in February of 1907. Yeah. But I don't. It's weird. There was a lot of things that burned down suspiciously back in those days. Well, you know. Well, wiring probably wasn't very safe. Have you ever, uh, when, when did you say your house was built? 1922. Does it have, has the wiring been updated? Is oh, like yes. Cloth, okay. cloth wiring? Is oh, yes. I've lived, I've lived in an old house, and I've looked inside the wall that's like shiplap with no insulation, and it's exposed wire that are run taut between oh, little ceramic between runners. ceramic yes. yeah, and it's run through the wall like that and that's yeah towns used to burn down all the time oh yes but yeah, before was... vulcanized rubbering was a thing on the outside of wires <laughs> it was just like good luck good luck who knows yeah. it's just that we had uh, you know also in 19 um, oh my gosh somewhere around that time 19 um, maybe 192 or 3 the Kirby mill burned down oh yeah and so then a few years later, then the Harvey House burned down. And so there's been, and, and Milltown did just burn down all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the sawdust, you know, start collecting it's in like, there and a little not, yeah. hit a flashpoint. And... As a matter of fact, I, I talked to you about my um, my great-great-grandfather that was a doctor uh-huh. that yeah. worked in sawmills towns. And he would, when one would burn down, he would just move to the next one. Really well. <laughs> and so it really truly was. And because they would... Um, I mean, there was so much, um, uh, you know, there was, you're right, so much sawdust. Mm-hmm. So and also much. coal, too. Coal uh, coal and coke just laying yes. around because mm-hmm. you got to power. You have to power all the steam equipment to cut all the logs and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and then you've got yeah. little things like lanterns, kerosene uh, yeah. lanterns. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and bare wires in your wall. Yes, yeah. bare, if you had, no, they probably didn't even have bare no. wires. Yeah. But they had, uh, but they had wood-burning stoves uh-huh. that would, they, you know, they would, they would take sometimes build a kitchen separate from the house, so when the kitchen burned down, it wouldn't burn. That is the truth. Yeah, it is the absolute truth. Just put it out. Put the kitchen it's, outside. It's funny. It's funny growing up, growing up in Silsby, uh, because it's such a wood town, and just some of the experiences we have there are so different. I, uh, at my dad's house, there's a wood burning stove, and we would go to the pallet mill. Uh, headed towards Evadale and just get scraps for the wood. It was like, all right, let's go get the truck and go get the scraps of wood, you know, and you just get sick of more blocks and just all odds and ends and pieces for free. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll take a little break and then we'll uh, regroup and yeah. get back to it. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, this is Julia with Wake Up Beaumont Podcast. You are listening to the A to Z Podcast. A to Z Podcast Studios are funded in part by patrons on Patreon. If you would like to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash A2ZBMT. All right, guys. Well, it's the middle of the episode. Uh, you know what that means. It is time for us to highlight some things going on in your area. Yep. And uh, we are pleased to announce that we have our own event that we would like to promote here. Very true. We have a Village Creek Cleanup Day that we're going to be doing uh, on October 3rd. Mm-hmm. That's a Saturday. It is going to be at the Lumberton Bridge location, the boat ramp out there. That's right. You guys all know where it is. It's your favorite swimming hole. Bring your trunks and your trash bags. Help us clean up one of the jewels of our area. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's gonna be fun. It's not. We're not gonna like you know. We're not gonna work you to death. It's gonna be very. Uh, no, we're just gonna walk up and down. We're gonna clean up under the bridge, yeah. and then we're gonna walk down the trail, go and, to the main and, main and like maybe jump in the water. Down. You know, jump in a little uh, bit. So make sure you bring your bathing suit, your trunks. Mm -hmm. Make sure you bring a trash bag, uh, and just help us do our part. It's gonna be really fun, you guys. Yeah, and then that's gonna be a family friendly event because afterwards we're gonna get some beers at the after party, which is gonna be at Elizabeth P. Fontenot's Entwined at the Art Studio Inc. Uh, it's gonna open at noon that day on October 3rd on the Saturday uh, and they're going to be open until I think about 5 p.m. so you could rush in there and they're going to have refreshments and everything and it'd be a good way to support a local artist and go check that out yeah. and get a free beer for your whole day cleaning up the uh, a jewel of our That's area right. like it's just a good all around that's a good day, man. Uplifting day. That's a good day. Uh, and if you want to uplift us and support something in your community, uh, then hit us up and advertise with us. You know? That's right. We got a very affordable packages. We can send you a setup, and you can, you know, we have a very engaged audience that is ready to spend money on whatever you ask them to. Trust us. Very we supportive. Have, I mean, they have shown us that. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get back to this episode with Susan Shine Kilcrease. I've got a bunch of volunteers um, that are working with me, a, a, a number of them. And um, and so they're there all the time. Mm -hmm. And also we have people that will stop in and they keep bringing us these wonderful things. Well, you, that's, that's really, the, that's a testament to your, you've, like you said, you had this, like, you kind of already had a, a knowledge of social media and how to work it. And just like, you've really gotten people excited. Your posts have really managed to get people excited about uh, not just what's going on there, but just history in general, especially yeah. at a time that everybody's yeah. bored in their houses right. and, oh, yeah, and they're yeah, hating yeah. that they're stuck in Silsby, living in Silsby or whatever. And then also, they see people are taking really... stock of what yeah. they have in their house, too. Yeah. And people then are like, finding it's like, old... oh, wait, this this is really cool stuff. And like, yeah. I didn't know this existed. Let hey, me dig I this, deeper. I had this 150-year-old plow in my yard that I've always just never really worried about. And <laughs> here you go. The yeah. millstone that somebody brought me the other day just blew my mind. Yeah. I, I posted it. I don't know if you saw it, mm -hmm. but it was, it's, it's only about this big. It's really not like a millstone, like mm -hmm. you see, but it, it, it looks like a millstone, and they found it in the Kirby mill site. <laughs> and so we have been just like racking our brains to figure out what it is, but he said his daddy found it out there hunting a million years ago or something, and, and he left it, and the guy went and dug it up <laughs> out of somewhere and brought it to me. And then um, people are always bringing stuff. Like I posted the thing about the uh, the old 1952 phone book, mm -hmm. yeah, where I literally yeah. photographed every page of that phone book, cover to cover, and put it in there. What did the phone book look like in the fifties? Because that was still the party lines, right? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I mean, I can. Uh, well, they're small. They're about the size of like a comic book. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to find comic book. Um, protecting material to put them in because once they come to us I have lots oh, right of down the street you do you yeah. yeah oh well that's good to know yeah. and Jen, actually stand. right there yeah. yeah yeah right down this road well i'm gonna have to get that information because we have to we put everything in acid free and then it goes to white gloves only then mm -hmm. but i posted that and i had like seven thousand people mm -hmm. that saw that and went through and said oh look here's mama and uh you know and Cravey or whatever, and they yeah. tagged all these people, and it just went all over creation. So then a lady contacted me and said that she had two more, <laughs> and she was going to mail them to me. And so I now have the 1948 <laughs> and the 19, I believe it was 53. It was a slightly different one. So I have three of these old Silsby phone books, 
And we've got to figure out how to preserve them so that they can be seen, mm-hmm. that people can go in and flip through them because that, again, that it's relevant to them. That have, they you, can, have, you tried, have you started reaching out to any of the other museums around here? Because they're, they're usually pretty, pretty down to help from the people I've met anyway. Yeah. Of course, maybe um, they might be snobbish. I don't know. Some. <laughs> I have some. Part of what I have a volunteer that is a just an unbelievable, marvelous asset to us, and her name is Debbie Brown, and she has, she has had an unfortunate episode in her life and that her husband has been extremely ill, mm. and so she has had to retire these last few years to care for him full time. Mm. Well, she was not only a, a, a teacher, but she was a museum curator, and she is um, a licensed preservationist. Oh, wow. And so she has, has just is grabbed onto this like a lifeline to her to just help her to help her kind of have things to think about and to do and to work on. And so she is the person that's been really working on preservation and all of those things. And so she has done some reach out because she she was formerly the curator of the John J. French Museum as okay. well yeah. as the um, the Kirby Hill House. And so she, and when she can come, she comes and she's just tremendous help to me. But she's the person that has been contacting people she knows in other museums so that we can, um, we're going to partner with everybody we can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you might as well. I mean, it should be a, a community that helps each other, right? Absolutely. You know? yeah. And like um, we're doing some, we're, we're starting because of all of this. We don't know what, nobody knows what the future's going to look like <laughs> post-COVID, you know. and Post-hurricanes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> gosh, please. But um, anyway, so um, we're, we're talking about doing a lot more about education mm-hmm. because um, all of our volunteers— the vast majority of us are licensed educators, myself included. And so we're talking about doing some some work for people that some online lessons, some history lessons, some yeah. really enrichment sorts of things that people can do. Kind of using the library as a secondary point of education. The museum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do the same thing. I call it yeah. the library. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm thinking of like the area of town and I've got all the buildings in my head. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well I'll call it the pines next. Just yeah. watch. Right? <laughs> well there's um Yes, we're trying to help provide resources and just feel like we're trying to figure out what the needs of the people are. What do people want from a museum right mm-hmm, now? Mm-hmm. And we're figuring that out. We're figuring that out. First of all, it's the history. Yeah. But we're going to try to provide, uh, we're going to open as soon as we can. You guys have used it for all kinds of things in the past. Uh, there's been art showings there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you we know, will continue to. Yeah, amateur, professional art showings. There's, yes. You've held uh, events there. Yes. Like the uh, like the arm wrestling championships. Yes, you know? <laughs> it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. That's what uh, I, said, I said that you were coming on, and he, that was the first thing he asked. Oh, she's going to talk about the arm wrestling championships? Yeah, they have to wear yeah. gloves. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's COVID. Yeah, got to wear Yeah. I don't know. I, I, we definitely are going to do it. But everything yeah. is, uh, you know, we're bound by the, the laws from the yeah, state. absolutely. And so, some museums are finally just beginning to reopen, mm-hmm. and they have they take your temperature at the door, they limit the number of people that you come in, and there's also things that you like. There can't be anything that you touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to kind of walk and well, stand. That's kind of helpful and not anyway. Breathe. In a museum, you don't touch a lot of stuff anyway. It, it, you do, but there are some yeah. things I would love for people to be able to touch, yeah. like the old wagon that we've okay. got in there. That yeah. you know, we brought in that uh, 1902 Studebaker uh, freight wagon that's in there. And, uh, that was a good. Where'd you get that? You just... It came from. It was. It was donated to us by um, a Salesby graduate who wow. wants to remain not anonymous. So we graduated. But, so they just had a 1902 Steve no, Baker wagon. No, we found it. Actually, actually, what happened was this. Uh, this uh, 
benefactor made a contribution to the museum. Oh, and it allowed you and, all to, yeah. And so I put a proposal together because one of the things that we did not do at the Ice House Museum was we didn't talk very much about the ice, mm. about manufacturing of ice. <laughs> and so I said we need to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I proposed that we build this. Um, uh, when you first walk in the door, it looks like the side of a 1920s house mm. with windows. The windows came out of my house, actually, so they are 1920s. <laughs> And so, um, and then we had a, a wagon, um, get a wagon and outfit it so that it looks like it is an ice wagon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. And make artificial. So you got a period wagon and. Yeah. Yeah. And see, my great grandfather. You, you got the ammonium tanks and everything set up? No, <laughs> you wouldn't put that on the wagon. Oh, now. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? But. So they made ice. With yes, they yeah. absolutely did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was very, See, I, I went there. When, I went was there as a dangerous. little kid. Whenever they did talk about ice, a little bit more. Ice house than, workers died when they were like thirty-five. Wow, it was very dangerous. Gotta well, have ice though, dog. Yeah. The, honestly, that main the main when you first come into the ice house museum, there's this big gallery area, and the main part of that was a pit that was four feet deep, and it was filled with. Uh, with salt water mm-hmm. with brine, mm-hmm. and it also had ammonia that was piped through it. And this is, you know, an extremely important thing in the 20s because without refrigeration, then this was something that was necessary, absolutely necessary to preserve and keep food safe and things mm-hmm. like that. So with that in mind, um, and the fact that I, I had a great-grandfather that actually drove an ice wagon from, the, uh, from, that, uh, from that ice house. Oh, wow. Back in the, oh, probably the, the 30s and 40s. And my father, when he was a little boy, used to help him. And he always talked about, of course, it was terrible. You know, he had to carry a cold biscuit under his arm and run <laughs> and uphill the whole way. And, yeah. But, uh, he, uh, but he literally understood that he wouldn't stop the wagon, that my dad would get the, get the ice block, which were heavy, yeah, and take it to really the house. Heavy. And my great-grandfather would not even stop the wagon. And then my dad would have to chase the wagon <laughs> and catch it and get the ice and run well, you don't, it. Oh, yeah. You don't want the ice to melt. You know, you yeah. got to get it out of there. Well, yeah. he didn't. it didn't melt in, on his watch. But, <laughs> but anyway, so I've heard about this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a couple of aunts that actually remember the ice wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he drove maybe into the 40s or even the 50s. I, I don't. I, I need to find that out. So with that in my mind, I suggested that we'd have an old house. When you walk in, you see the side of an old 1920s house and that there's an ice wagon parked in front of it as though it has stopped to deliver ice. Okay, yeah. And then you, when you walk around the corner, we have recreated a really wonderful 1920s kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you got, got the ice box. We in there. have the ice box. Yeah. We yeah. have the wood burning stove. Okay. We have the baking center. We and have, that's the entrance. So that leads you into the rest. Of- it leads you. Well, it actually is is just around the corner. It leads you to a ramp that goes upstairs to the upper galleries. Mm-hmm. But it is. Um, that's really cool. I like well, that. It, yeah. And then we did the black and white checked floor and the whole thing. It looks. It very much looks like a 1920s kitchen. And so we can show people. How very important it was to um, that the how important this building was to the history, mm-hmm. and then at the back dock there was um, the, the front dock. You, you would pick up either with cars or even with horses and wagons and things. You would pick the ice up in the front dock, but the back dock, the train tracks went right to it. Mm. There was a spur that went right to it, and they would load the uh, the train tra- uh, the cars full of ice. And sell them, sell mm-hmm. it to other places, and mm-hmm. ship it off. And so this was a very big, um, a very big production, a very important part. They would use they would use blocks of ice also to transport produce on trains too. I think 
Mm-hmm. Throw a couple of those in like uh you have a you have a freight with potatoes, throw some of those in there. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was like the first refrigeration it's transportation. So like that building's not yeah. like a huge building. I mean it's a it's I mean it's 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 but it's just how it's not such a huge building, but they cranked out so much ice and like provided I mean, there probably weren't that many more ice houses around that well, area. Well, there were some. But and there were. There were some. But whatever the case is, I just know that this ice house made a great amount of ice. Yeah. And we actually have one of the cans. They made 300 pounds of ice, and they were about, oh, they're about five feet tall and probably a foot deep and maybe three feet wide. And so with the, the cans would be dropped down into the water, and then would be it would take 48 hours to cool, to freeze the ice. And then they had, and if you come in the ice house, we're going to, I mean, I can show you all the places on the ceiling where they lifted these mm-hmm. big, you know, 300 pound bricks of ice, and then they would dip them into some tepid water so that it would loosen it, uh-huh. and then they could dump them out, and they would right, take right. them into the back, and the walls are very thick in the back and insulated So it's in like the, the ice cube trays at your house, but like vertical? Yes, <laughs> very heavy, very, very big. And so they would they would make just um, um, hundreds of these at a time in this uh, pit that was in the, the, main, uh, the main part of the gallery. Now we have filled that pit in, it is a level. But you can still see on the walls all of the the um, you know the big beams and the things that they the used to lift. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. And so then with it, once they took it in the back, they would uh, cut it up into sizes and marketable sizes. And um, there's also we we also have had a section in the back that was like a frozen section or something. In 1925, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But. We had we're talking about taking a wall out in there, and so when we started taking this wall out, we just thought someone had put this a closet in there, and it was going to be just two by fours. And well, we got in there, and it was original wall with original uh, insulation from hmm. 1925. And wow. so now we're not going to take it down. No. We're going to sort of show the the cross section, the inside of this is what the insulation looked like back in this period of time. Yeah. And um, and they would put. I've been told they would take. Hunting season, they would hang the deer in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right. So, also, yeah. oh, you could keep your you you could keep things there. You could pay them to keep things there if you wanted to. Yes, or you could and you could go get a cold watermelon at the <laughs> ice house. I was told, and and also uh, they people always sort of tell me, you know, under the breath that you could also get cold beer in there. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like how much of a like, you gotta have like the secret code word like or something. How, yeah. how, how yeah. brutal it must have been to not even have air conditioning in those times. But then like that block of ice would be a godsend at some. At oh some yeah, point, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Even just even just a little, even just to keep even preserve preservation of food is one thing, but just to be able to have a cool something, cool oh, slice of watermelon, day. cool yeah. slice of watermelon. Yeah, yeah. In the cold of beer. Nineteen hundreds. Imagine drinking eighty-five degree beer, man. You gotta ride a horse everywhere. Like you know, come on. Get a well, cold beer. Well, I might like that. Yeah. Ride yeah. a horse around. It's not so bad. Because they're sweet. Probably simpler times. <laughs> Maybe. So what, uh, what, you've just seen a great response from all this. Like, have you, have you, have you been pretty happy with your progress? Are there, there are things that, uh, that, that you would, I mean, you would hope to see from it, obviously, but, but I just think it's, it, Aaron brought up, we were talking about it beforehand. It's like the, the importance of, of a local museum, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the importance of having, uh, people know what happened in the place that they live. It's it's know? it's a center of community in a lot of ways too. You know, some things are are contemporary centers of community, and then some things are the connection to the past, and they're kind of the center of your historical community. And I think 
you know, things like libraries, things like museums, even the theater that's there, like these are very important, you know, and it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know where to go from there. It's, it's. Do you feel like, do you feel like that's the case? That they're important things to have in a community? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in a little town like Silsby. Yeah. Um, you know, Silsby, who, who is left in Silsby? And there's a, anybody that, that knows our community very well knows that there's a, many of us that are, come from descendants, mm -hmm. many generations of people that have been in Silsby. It's just so one, it's of, one of the older communities in our area. Honestly, yes. yeah. Even yeah. myself, I'm an yeah. eighth generation in Hardin County. Wow. Yeah. And so my and I've written I've written about that in the the, uh, the Facebook page as well. Wow. That you know, my first ancestor settled in eighteen twenty nine right there <laughs> near Salesby. He he operated a ferry on the Natchez River. That's wow. that's older than the first iteration of Beaumont as a community. Oh, yeah. and it was before it was when before Texas was Texas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so um, and there was actually in the runaway scrape of the Texas Revolution, there was quite a lot of activity that happened in the Silsby area. Mm -hmm. You know, and that involved that. But um, I always joke and say I'm so inbred I can barely walk and talk <laughs> at the same time. But uh, but anyway, but that's how a lot of us are in Silsby is that we are very old. Um, we have old ancestry mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the area, and so. Uh, I'm beginning to discover that that's very precious to people. Yeah, it sort of identifies us in a lot of ways, and people do care. They do care about what's going on or what is being preserved about our community. Mm. Well, it's very common in a lot of other places, like uh, in Europe, for instance. It's very, very common for you to be born a place, stay a place, be able to trace your roots back. You know, mm -hmm. there's 600 year old bars, all this stuff. In mm -hmm. America, it's just not the my. Neither one of my parents are even from Texas. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I was born in Silsby, but mine, mine can't go back as far as yours. Yours, I don't know. Yeah, a little Probably, further. A little further, East you know, Texas, but so. it's just, it's very uncommon. Like, it's almost an unfathomable amount of time thinking about 1828. You know, really, really it is. And it is uncommon, so I can see how that would be very valuable. Because me, I don't even know what that's, I don't even know what that's like, mm. you know. Well, what's interesting is that if you go um, back east, and you're right, those yeah. those communities over there have been around for for uh, centuries. I have a, a cousin, of course, when some of my ancestry came over, over in 1710, over in um, North Carolina. I have a cousin yeah. that descended from him as well. That uh, her family is still there, and her family has been a member of the same church for 300 years. That's <laughs> wild, yeah. And so, but the deal with Texas is, and I've always joked and said that the people that the the Pioneers that ended up in Texas were always the sons of the sons of the sons that didn't inherit anything. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> because true. literally, there would be one son, uh, uh, and of course, forget the women. They, they didn't inherit anything anyway, but uh, there'd be one son that would inherit the family property. And the rest of the sons would have to move on. And where the land was was mm -hmm. further west, you know, and they just kept coming west and kept coming west. Whereas, like with my ancestors, um, like the Shine ancestors, my, I've talked about Dr. Shine, who is my great-great-grandfather. He was the first, one of my ancestors in 1710 that stayed in the same area more than one generation mm -hmm. because they didn't inherit anything, and right. so they just had to keep moving. And so, and I think that's kind of what makes Texans who we are, is that we're independent. We're uh, people that come from generations of people that carved a chunk of their land out of a very dangerous place and yeah there's panthers depend yeah those panthers and <laughs> yeah, those, those panthers. indians yeah, yeah. and um 
And many of them, you know, those are some of our ancestors too, is the Indians. But it was not a, um, it was not a very, it was not a, an easy, you, you, you know, you are born and you live in the same place and you go to work at all. And so this is sort of uh, generation after generation of the people that kept moving forward ended up in Texas. And that's why we love our guns. And <laughs> that's why we love, you know, our independence mm -hmm. and all of that. Because I think that's just who we were bred to be, mm -hmm. literally. So, um, but uh, you're right. And Silsby is a perfect, um, you know, example of that. Yeah. It's a weird town. It makes weird people. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it makes makes a special type of, you know, I don't know. It's weird how I think uh, even after you leave, we always find each other. Silsby yeah. people. It really is. It's true. It's really weird. Yeah. You know, I can go to any town and I'll find some Silsby people. Oh, it's, yeah. It's strange. It's, it's, yeah, it's odd. Well, anyway, uh, do you have yet anything coming up uh, in the future? Do you have what's what's the next exhibit you're looking forward to? I know that it's closed now, but but what's the future hold? Like, when do you have a time frame? Yeah, for you're, when? you're about to go digging for the, yeah. the Kirby Mill. That's got, right. You got a time frame for when maybe we could come check something out? Yeah, can, or, can sure. we come on this this yeah. adventure into the woods? You like, bet you can. <laughs> you bet you can, and you can do the little ba in the background. And go now. They're cutting through the floor. <laughs> you know, we can have a. For you real, know, yeah, we'll, I'll bring a camera. Machete, yeah. I'll bring a camera. He's got a machete. Oh, I man, machete. I have yeah. been told that that's the thickest. One of the guys, and he's really a woodsman, the man that told me that he found the ruins, mm -hmm. he said he's been a woodsman his whole life. And he said, that is that is the thickest woods I have ever been through in my life. Thicket. He said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he said he had to crawl through thorns and things. He had to get, like, where the like, where the wild animals had run through the mm -hmm. little holes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he said he's it's going to have to be cut with machetes and uh -huh. yeah. to get. That's part of the reason it's never really oh, been found. Yeah. But um, as far as what's going on in the future is we're doing some, we're taking the opportunity right now to do some repairs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, upstairs, we've got to do some uh, repairs to the um, to some of the flooring up there, and we're replacing the flooring. Nice. And then, um, and as I said, in the process of doing that, we have taken all of our archives downstairs and have cataloged them. So we've, we've been doing all of this work. But now we're hoping very soon, but this, in the last, next few weeks maybe, to have that finished. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to start putting the museum back together in terms of uh, now that we have inventoried everything, uh, the next step is going to be to go through and, and decide what we can use in the museum. Mm. They have some amazing things. We have a, a two-million-year-old uh, rhinoceros fossil. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that came Whoa. out of the Natchez River. I, yeah. I kid you not. No, yeah, yeah. And we have yeah. a 600-year-old horse fossil, you know, which I, I assume that's what it is. <laughs> But it was, uh, I was told that we had a horse fossil and we found some bones, so we're hoping it's not somebody, you know, that just got lost yeah. down there. But, right. Um, but anyway, this, um, this fossil is really, really important, and a lot of universities have wanted it, but uh, we have it. <laughs> and so, um, but what we're going to do is um, just based on all of this research and all the talks on the uh, Facebook page, we're going to do a series of exhibits. One of them is called Predators of the Big Thicket. Okay. And we're going to talk about the panthers, and we're going to really try to get to the bottom of this. Or jaguars, it seems. Yeah, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. but here's the deal, is that the old-timers, all the old books that you read from the 1800s, yeah. you know, and they'll say they killed 14 panthers in one day or something. I, I <laughs> yeah. mean, they do. I mean, it's all in the WPA, the Works Progress. You know what WPA articles are? Sounds familiar, yeah. Well, back during um, like during the Depression, like they would, yeah. uh, when Roosevelt— um, 
he actually employed writers as a part of the public works uh, to create jobs, to actually go down and, um, and interview and do writing projects for certain areas. It's huh. extremely important today. Really cool. One of the most interesting things he did was he did what's called the slave narratives, where he actually found uh, people that were uh, former slaves that were still living, and they interviewed them wow. about what it was like to be a slave and where they lived and that sort of They're fascinating. You can find those any, you can find them online. The w, WPA? Yeah, WPA. Probably, probably in the Library of Congress, right? Well, you can find the, the slave narratives online. Okay. And yeah. there are like over a thousand. And some of them, you, they're even recorded. You can hear their voices. Oh, wow. But everybody's got WPA articles. And Silsby has a number of them. Everybody does. And so um, one of the things they talked about in the original um, WPA article that I read about Silsby was the Panthers. Yeah. That they they talk about the panthers and they talked about the wolves. Yeah, and um, the red wolves are indigenous to this area. Were, yes. Yeah. There are those that say they're still out there, and they're they have found a hybrid group of red wolf dogs on Galveston Island for sure. That's hmm. been certified through, uh, I forget who, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, I know it was um, it, it was either uh, it's some university or something. They definitely did the DNA, and there's a hybrid version okay, of, it, yeah, yeah. of the red wolves that are still here. Um, but as far and then there's also a lot of people that the have black bears too. There used to be a big black bear area. Yeah. Yes, and they were hunted to extinction. Mm -hmm. But there are those that say that there's there's still some out there, um, as well as uh, pumas, yeah, mountain lions, yeah, yeah. cougars. I know people that have personally seen them. Um, have a game cams off them. And so we have these predators that are living in the thickest part of the big thicket that are just not seen. And there's all this controversy about that, you know. And so you've got the people that have seen them, but every time they see one, I think they generally just stand there with their mouth hanging open yeah. and nobody yeah. manages to take a picture. You just kind of yeah. just enjoy yeah. the moment, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard— Or freak out. Or yeah. freak out. Or freak out. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, um, but hopefully we're going to get Maybe we can get that pelt, and we we've got some pictures. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I've posted some pictures, mm -hmm. and people have gone on and go, "That's not a panther. That's a <laughs> cat, or that's a, you know, whatever." And I don't yeah. know, yeah. but so we're going to try to figure that out. Then the other thing um, that goes along with that is I'm going to do a, a smaller exhibit of just pioneer guns. I'm going to pull in some, um, you know. They had to have these to protect themselves yeah. from the elements. So we've got some old, some old rifles, some um, repeaters, and yeah, yes, an old Winchester, and we've got a um, from the 1800s, and we've got a pistol, and uh, we've got supposedly the. This is not something to be particularly proud of, but it is what it is. But um, the the gun that supposedly killed the last bear in Hardin County. Oh wow! Yeah, and yeah. so so yeah. we're going to do that and have that along with the predator exhibit. Yeah. And then we're going to yeah, do. That's, that's okay. Yeah. And one we really haven't talked about today is the medical exhibit. That's going to be <laughs> really interesting. Um, Dental work, man. As a matter of fact, I can't see it on a podcast, but I have. I can even show you something that I've got in my purse that is a what's called a madstone. So, um, do you know, did you see in, um, oh, man, what's the guy's name that did the movie that the sorcerer, the, the young guy? It's just like a stupid, duh, thing, but I've never watched that movie. It's like Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Thank you, oh, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. You know when they had the stone and he swallowed it or something? Do you remember in that vaguely, part? Vaguely, vaguely, yeah. Well, that was what they called a bizarre 
phone, a, a stone. But the truth is that back in from all the way to the time of Cleopatra until um, fairly modern history, they used these stones to cure the bites of uh, snakes or mad oh. dogs. Well, people still think rocks can heal you, so that's yeah. yeah. This isn't a rock. Yeah, it's a Crystals. it is a little um, uh, sort of a, a, a an organ, not not an organ, but like a a, a a lymph or something that has comes out of this the stomach of a deer. Oh, oh okay. And what yeah. happens hmm. is, it's like a, a pearl forms uh, is formed around an irritant. Well, you say mm-hmm. you have this on your. Right I now? do. Where is my purse? <laughs> Let me see this thing. It's like a like a gallstone type of thing. Yeah. Well, possibly, yeah. but it's um, it's a deer pearl. Yeah. But this particular um, madstone that I have is um, belonged to my great great grandfather, and I have his diaries from uh, you know from the early days when they talk about applying this this madstone to. Um, Mrs. So and So was treated for dog bite. It's a really bite. cool name. And what the deal was for Mad Dog? Oh wow, wow. But what they uh, did was, um, here it is. What they did was they um, would soak it in milk, and this is the original one. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and this one, if a snake were to come in and bite you right now, this would work. You know, yeah, you want to know why? Why? Because it has never been sold. It has never been used for money, and it's still passed down in the family. It's kind of soft, huh? It's got a little give to it, maybe? But what you do is you soak it in milk, and then you apply it, supposedly, to the um, bite, and it it hears. It sticks. And it will stick for, according to the diaries, for like four hours, and then it would fall off. And then you would put it back in the milk, and I've been told... I mean, this is what the, the theory you don't is. Want to release it into the milk. It would the milk would become green, <laughs> and that you would keep applying it until it would no longer stick. <laughs> but this is the madstone that belonged to my great hey, great grandfather in the 18. You're still here, so that means it must have worked. <laughs> well, they didn't even use it on me. <laughs> no, but I, but I mean, it comes from you your might, family, you so they to, didn't die. I need to keep that in case you know. whenever you go digging for the Kirby Mill and there's snakes back there. Well, no kidding. No yeah. kidding. But yeah. we have to take milk with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's copperheads Bring out the there, so the that's, those are pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully not any mad dogs. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know um, whether this works, but I just know they use this for. It seems kind of wild to me, but it does. Yeah, they used it a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's weird. Why would they use them a thousand years if they didn't work? I mean, right. I mean, there's a lot to be said about old, old full yeah. killing. Yeah, who and knows? These were very rare. This is extremely rare, mm. and the fact that it has never been out of my family. I mean, the the rules, as I said, were in order for a madstone to work, it has to have never been purchased. It has to have never, money has never been taken for the use of it, and it has to be passed down through the family. So the fact that it is still in my hands, <laughs> then, and I didn't lucky. buy it. <laughs> lucky. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's just fascinating, and who knows? <laughs> who knows? But when you great. look at a cross-section of it, it's like a cork, and so I guess. Yeah, it feels like a cork. Kind of got a sponginess a, to it, yeah. Kind of feels like a dehydrated lima bean or something like it does. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it one could make the argument that perhaps it um, it can absorb. Yeah, maybe. I don't and, know. And maybe with milk too. You know, milk <laughs> is uh, sugars and and fats and stuff. It might bind to the toxins. It's just possible. It's just fascinating, is yeah. all I know. But we're going to do a medical exhibit because we have um, oh some horrible looking saws some and implements, things. Yeah, and, yeah. 
from local, it was important to me that they were local doctors from the, um, one of them's my great, great-grandfather who practiced from 1884 to 1916. And um, so we have, I have his doctor bag mm-hmm. that's filled with, hand-rolled pills from the big thicket, <laughs> and that's the truth. And um, we have uh, all sorts of things. We have, um, we've co- I've collected some, like, poultice recipes and things, and um, all sorts of different treatments, some surgical instruments. If you dig too deep into that stuff, you might find some stuff that's illegal now. <laughs> oh, oh, listen. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have no doubt. I could probably be arrested yeah. for the stuff that's in there, but... Yeah, use a little cocaine wine to get the ghosts out of your blood. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so this is, um, the medical exhibit is going to be fascinating. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it does, yeah. And so, and I've got a number of doctors that, um, from the area uh, that were from, we're trying to say uh, between the uh, 1880, 1920, 1930 in that area, there were, it was really foreign, really different, but it happened right here. You know, like this Madstone, I mean, everybody just, this is nuts. (laughs) <laughs> or is it, you know? Yeah, I, ah, I don't know. You know? <laughs> but um, so, and then we're also doing the Kirby exhibit, as mm-hmm. I said. We're going to be doing that. But it, I hope, we're probably going to open the museum before we do that investigation. So uh, that may be a little later coming. And then um, I have, then there's the Ice House Museum, which I told you about with the, um, I mean, with the, the Ice Museum. We call it the Ice Man Cometh. <laughs> um, it's where the ice wagon and the, the 1920s, it's already built. Oh, yeah, That yeah, exhibit yeah. is already there. Looks good. And so we're doing, um, have I left something out? I'm trying to remember. Huh? Um, oh, I'm also doing very, very soon, I'm doing an online um, <coughs> exhibit of a, a lady that's just a master quilter. Oh, really? Wow. That's we, got a lot of, we got a lot of really good quilt makers around here. Yeah. We do. We have the big quilt thing, the convention down. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yes. the quilt convention, yeah. Well, she's very involved in all that, and she's local. Yeah. And our name Maybe is we'll, Melinda Stanton. We'll have to get in touch with her. We want to talk to her. Oh yeah, she would love to do that. <laughs> but so we took her quilts and we took them last weekend actually to to my house because it's a 1922 house, and we took it to the uh, front porch of another old house and we had a professional photographer do this this photography. And so we're doing this. I hope will be beautiful online exhibit because oh, awesome. everything's got to go online these days. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, as soon as I get the photography back, we're going to start posting that online and um, make an area in our website about it and hopefully begin to create other online exhibits mm. that people can see. But we also need them to come in yeah. because whatever, a museum is a museum and it's also a business. I mean, we've got right. to we got to pay our bills just like everybody yeah, else. that's right. So, um, well, so uh, whenever y'all do open, I guess hours will be just look at your Facebook and see what you're posting about. Yes. Yeah. We're not. We're going to have to figure the, the whole COVID thing. Um, I noticed that some of the museums are opening several days a week now, uh-huh. and we can do that as soon as we get our building put back together again from the repairs mm-hmm. that we've done. Then we can start opening uh, limited hours and um, where people come in and they are um, they go through all the safety guidelines for COVID. Mm-hmm. We'll take the temperature at the door with one of those little things uh, that you shoot your forehead. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and then hopefully, you know, we can we, we can figure out the safe the safest way to do Maybe that. Maybe some school yeah. kids back in there and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also have some enrichment activities that are online. We're working very hard to do a lot of stuff online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
Well, uh, is, if anybody wants to reach you, they can find you at, at, at they message the Ice House Museum on Facebook. They're going to get a hold of you. They can do that, or they can call um, at 385-409-385-2444, or they can also email me at, uh, probably the easiest one to remember is icehousemuseum at att.net. Okay, and cool. And so they can reach me, and... Um, we have lots of interesting things happening. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and we appreciate you staying adaptable yeah. in these weird times and using your time wisely. And and we want to see what happens from that investigation. Well, you know, thank so you really for excited. having us, yeah. and we're we're looking forward to uh, to opening again yeah. and inviting everyone to come out and check it out. Awesome. Yeah. We'll we'll be there. So okay, good. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, uh, that was it. That was the episode. Thank you guys for coming along. Also, a special thanks to Susan. Mm. You can check out uh, hers and the the Ice House Museum's Instagram. It's at Ice House Museum. Mm-hmm. And Just then find them on Facebook. Yeah, they're they're uh, all of the things that she's finding out about the the sawmill that we were talking about. She's gonna release those on Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. So make sure you keep up to date with her. Uh, also, in line with talking about museums, we want to give a special little shout out to. Uh, the Museum of the Gulf Coast. They are doing something, uh, you know, community-oriented thing. They're having a blood drive, guys. Mm-hmm. Blood is really low in our area right now. You know, we are between hurricanes. Things are really bad. And if you have a little extra blood in your blood sack that is your body, <laughs> you might want to think about just driving on Check down. It out. Check it out. Check it out. To, this uh, is what you get. If you donate blood, you get free Raising Cane's gift card that's good for a box combo. Dang, son. Uh, you get a free T-shirt. Yeah, what? Free interest to the museum plus a friend. Do you get to go to the museum afterwards? And there's going to be presentations by the Snake Education Experience, which I don't and know there's going to be herpetologists yeah, there like, too. They need your blood, guys, and they're going to give you free canes, like no free brand. canes, free interest to the museum. Mm-hmm. Look, you just come on down. Just go on down to the Museum of the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. Give them a little bit of your blood. You Nine a.m. I mean? to one p.m. People need it. Uh, what day is that going to be on? Oh yeah, on uh, Saturday, October third. That's a popular day. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check them out. So go give blood in the morning. Give a little bit. Come help us clean up the creek. It's not going to be great. And then go to the art museum and have a beer. Yeah, but <laughs> don't don't do that. Just pick one or the other. It'd be fine if, yeah, if you know. It's fine. Um, All right, now we get to do a special shout out about our patrons. We're going to holler at them, the people that make things better for our community over here, by giving us their money. Um, and they're a fine bunch. It's Jordan Stringer, very fine bunch. Brian Castino, Doug Waldrop, fine, fine. Michael Saul, very fine, ben, fine folks here. Ben McClellan. Randy Edwards, Ali Gillette, Allison Pierce, Lauren Bibu. So fine. Wes fine Harden, folks. Jacqueline Stockdale, Damon Raman, Hannah McMahon, and our newest patron, Nicole Tony. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com forward slash A2ZBNT. That's right. And make sure you check us out next time where we're going to have on Stephen Oak. That's a pseudonym. You actually probably know him. Uh, he is the author. Return guest, Stephen Oak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he wrote a book. It's called Jet Landry, The Fuse. It was really fun having him back on, and we just went all over the place. It's great. This was, a, this was a creative project that was spurned on by COVID, basically. Really? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. As he didn't have the time. He'd been working on it for a few few years, and he didn't finally have the time to do it, or the inspiration, I guess, until COVID happened. Yeah. He was stuck at home, uh, Zoom telecommuting for work. Uh, and great dude, and I think it's a great book, and come back and check it out and find out more about it. That's right. You know? Um, and and then uh, another week after that, we got another guest, and we got, another, we got exciting things. You know what? We're just going to keep going, guys. We got can't so many stop exciting us. things in the world. You can't stop us. Yeah. I know that you want to. They said Some people would that we would us. never come back. 
Yeah. But we but we have. Yeah. And we're gonna come back again. Nobody worried about us coming back. I know. Yeah, they no. they like we we took like a two month hiatus. That's my like delusion of grandeur. Nobody you know? said a thing. No. You think nah it doesn't matter. Y'all still love Our us. Our patron said something. They did. They know. I know. Anyway, uh that's been it. Come on back now, you hear? Mm. <laughs>